Good morning, everyone. My name is Beth. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. Um, welcome to the Higher Power versus Power of Food workshop. Uh, I'm a compulsive overeater, and as I said, I'm Beth, a compulsive overeater, and your moderator for this meeting. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know a difference. Before we get started, I've got a, a few requests. We ask that all cell phones and other electronic equipment be turned off. This session is being taped. Anyone wishing to share will be required to sign the speaker release form before sharing. To protect anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of the individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. An Ask It basket will be circulated for the question and answer portion of our session today. If you enjoyed this workshop, we encourage you to stop by the tapes table to order copies of this session or any other session. They're available on CD or as an electronic download. And here's the format for this morning. We have three wonderful speakers. We have Jenny, Joanna, and George. Each of them will be sharing for 20 minutes each. They will be followed by 10 minutes of questions and answers, and then we'll have 10 minutes of open pitches. Uh, a little word about our microphone and our sound system. I'm speaking into a mic, it's recording everything, but it is not amplifying anything. So if you are, if someone brings you the mic, uh, if you have a question, for example, it'll either be repeated again here, or if you are speaking, please keep your voice up because this microphone is not amplifying anything. And so, again, our topic is higher power versus the power of food, and for our first speaker, we have Jenny. Let's welcome Jenny. Hi, I'm Jenny, compulsive overeater. I'm very humbled and blessed to be here. And I chose this topic because this is the whole foundation of my life and my recovery and my abstinence. And I have been kept away from the power of food for over 29 years. I've been kept abstinent by the grace of this higher power I found in here when I came. And before I got here, my higher power was food, of course. It just it completely dominated me and drove me. And I ate against my will for most of my life before getting here. And when I came here desperate and 100% defeated, I heard something here that I hadn't heard before, or I don't even know if I heard it. I saw something here. And what I saw was hope. And what I saw at my first meeting where people were living without being driven to eat by the power of food, and they were content, and they were free. They were happy. How did they do this? And they talked about God. And this was such a different concept to me. God and food? What did God care what I put in my mouth? I believed in God, but I didn't think God had wanted anything to do with me. 
but I was desperate and I just was willing, you know, to do whatever. So I got my sponsor and she was a power greater than me. At the time, she had 10 years of abstinence and maintenance. And so she guided me and started, well, I don't know if teaching me or demonstrating to me how to have, how to acquire a relationship with a higher power to keep away from the power of food. And so what we did was in the big book. That's, those are the people I followed in that big book. I did exactly what they did. And it was a very simple thing that they did. And um, I found a higher power. I'm going to call my higher power God as I understand him. I found a higher power at my plate. What a funny place to find God at my plate in food. That's exactly where I found God. That's where I had a spiritual experience was my first day of abstinence. That was the greatest spiritual experience I ever had because I wasn't fighting the food and I wasn't struggling or trying to keep away from it. I had surrendered. And so I, um, my sponsor taught me and all of you and the big book and the steps that um, to start learning to rely and depend on God instead of food because I depended on food my whole life. So I had to learn how to do this. This was not in me, you know, to do this. And thank God for all of you and this program to show me the way, because I'd been to other religious and spiritual organizations, and I thought it was a moral problem, you know. And I got here, and um, they taught me, you know, how to do this. And so what happened was... Daily, I came to believe in a higher power over food's power by my daily experience of being kept abstinent. Slowly, gradually, food was losing its grip on me. It wasn't dominating me so much. Each day of abstinence, and all I did, I did what the big book people did. I humbly got on my knees and said, God, who I don't understand or know anything about, please, will you keep me away from that first bite just for today? Don't let me take the first bite because you taught me that the only thing that can come between me and food is a relationship with God. So I had to start practicing it. I didn't believe it, but I had to practice it. That's what I did, simply, humbly. And at the end of each day, I'd get on my knees, thank you, thank you for another day of abstinence. And that's how I built up 29 years, this humble reliance and dependence on God. Because before that, I relied and depended on me and my wits, and my wits got me here, you know. So gradually, um, food was losing its power from over me, and the foods that I was driven to, I lost interest in. It was amazing. I lost interest in any of it. 
And I started only wanting my abstinent food. And I realized how precious this was, this abstinence. My life depends on it. And, that my, and it started and ends in my relationship with God. That has to be foremost in my life. And that was a tangible proof because I always wanted proof. Give me some visual proof. I want proof that this is going to work. Well, the proof happened at my plate, in my food. What more proof would I need as a compulsive overeater, completely helpless by the power of food, to be kept abstinent day after day without struggle, without fight? And also what I noticed was I was calmer. I was a lot calmer. And I was starting to feel a genuine happiness, a genuine contentment that I had never felt before. And it happened by starting, you know, becoming and staying abstinence. And, um, you know, all my life, this is what I was looking for. Some security, some sanity, a sense of belonging. And I found it here. And the more the... What I wanted, too, was peace of mind and freedom. And that's where I found it here, in abstinence, through a relationship with God. So that's, you know, that is what I have to say. I mean, there, it is so, there's nothing more to it for me, for my program. It is all based on practicing daily this, you know, dependence and reliance on my higher power, or else, and I know what the or else is, the power of food will take over. And um, so, you know, this is how I learned it, acquired it slowly, gradually, a day at a time, a heartbeat at a time. I was learning to depend and rely on God. And it takes a long, it will take the rest of my life to cut away my self-reliance, self-will, self-sufficiency, because that's what I was, you know, that's what I practiced all my life. That's all I knew. Um, But now I'm just so grateful when I am faced with anything, any crisis, any problem, any any loss, any grief, any tragedy. Um, And I've, you know, through the 29 years, there's been a lot of um, life on life's terms. And I'm so grateful now. My natural instinct is to go to God, not the food. That is not my my first reaction. It is to immediately start depending, relying, trusting in a higher power. I call my sponsor. There's also you are a power greater than myself. You are a power over the power of food. There's safety in numbers here, you know. Um, So I rely on you because God speaks through you. So that's a higher power over the power of food. And the program, the big book, the 12 steps, that, you know, that is my answer. And I am so grateful today, you know. And every day I stay humbly grateful because I know food is a subtle foe, and it can take over at any moment, you know. So um, anyway, like I said, I was going to be quick, 
I love this topic because my it is the foundation of my abstinence, my recovery in my life is to practice it. Practice, practice, practice every day, relying and depending on God. And then the food loses its dominance. The longer I trust and depend on this God to keep me abstinent because no human power can do it. None. Only a higher power. So I am so grateful that I acquired a a relationship or established a relationship with a higher power here through abstinence and working the steps. The more often I work the steps, the closer they bring me to God. And that's where my, you know, that's where my life depends on. So that's all I have to say. I was very quick, and that's it. Thank you for letting me Thank you, Jenny. And now we have Joanna, who will share on our topic. So let's welcome Joanna. So just give me a second here to um, <laughs> organize my brain. It might take more than a second. but uh, Remember to speak up because the microphone. Okay. Can you all hear me? Yes. Okay, great. So I'm Joanna, a compulsive overeater. Hi, Joanna. I, I will um, qualify quickly. I've been in OA more than 20 years. And I quit counting my abstinence about seven or nine years ago because it makes me crazy. Because any time I failed, I would, I would beat myself up. So I have between seven and nine years. So that's, that's vague enough to keep me sane. Um, so what I've done, I'm, I'm a literature lover. And so in order to think about what I was going to talk about today... I, um, I read the big book. I read, um, okay, Seeking the Spiritual Path. This is an OA book. I also read this book, Daily Reflections. It's an AA book that has AA quotes and AA writing. Very spiritual. It was given to me by... Uh, my sponsor, who passed away a couple years ago, she was my sponsor for about 15 years, my beloved sponsor. I have a new beloved sponsor now. But, um, so I, I brought that. And the other thing I brought is, these are the things I used, is my angel God box. It's a puzzle. And this was also given to me by a sponsee. It's from Germany, and it takes a little little ingenuity to get it apart, but I put this um, I put this speaking engagement in my angel God box. So those are some of the tools that I use to prepare today. What and I you know it's like the power of food versus the power of God. I, let, and, I, and I can't even say to you that God exists. But let's assume for the purpose of this discussion that God does exist. Because if he doesn't exist, I just have to leave the room because I'm done. So, <laughs> uh, so what I wrote was, I, for the first thing I wrote, and I want to spend most of my time on the power of God. 
But the power of food for me, here, here's what food promises. I wrote down the promises that food whispers to me in my mind. Some of the promises. My food promises to be my lover. My food helps me to go to sleep at night if, if, I'm, if I'm using food. My food offers emotional oblivion from fear. It offers fantasy without actualizing, actually doing any work. It offers physical energy when I eat sugar. It offers to be my friend, always loyal, always to get results. It offers approval for my isolation. I don't have to deal with my problems. And it offered not only to help me go to sleep, but it also helped me. So I ate, I ate uh, carbs to help me sleep, and I ate sugar to help me wake up. And that's what, that's what I would do. When I came into this program, I probably weighed about mm, 80 pounds more than I do now. Um, the power of God, for me, offers serenity, service, and solace. Self-esteem, fear recovery, return of my sense of humor. When I'm eating, my sense of humor disappears. Appreciation of beauty and nature, you know, kind of an awakening of the five senses, which are completely muted when I'm using. Small, quiet miracles tailor-made for my recovery. Like God might speak to me in small miracles. I know they're miracles. To you, they probably wouldn't mean anything. But to me, you know, when I'm praying and God solves a problem for me or something becomes easier or I have an idea, they said in the big book that God speaks to us through an intuition, an inspiration, or a decision to act. So if I have one of those, I, I try to thank you, God, for that information. Um, it offers joy, recognizing and release of character defects, Living in sometimes very painful reality, it offers friendship renewal, and it offers eating for health and enjoyment. And there's many more things that God offers to me. Right now, as I speak to you, I said I, I went to the 7 a.m. OA meeting this morning. I said I was in a lot of fear, I'm in disappointment, and I'm in self-condemnation. And my current sponsor, one thing that, that she really stresses is abstinence from self-hate and into self-approval. But self-hate hate is just a feeling that, that comes up. It's not, you know, I want to be abstinent from it. But it comes in like a, you know, kind of like a lava flow, you know. So, so like, first of all, I'm burned by it. <laughs> and then... And now I'm just giving it back to God. I, you know, I did something yesterday that, that might be very expensive for me. I made a mistake. And I hate myself. That's one of the things that I, I couldn't tolerate in myself one, that, to make mistakes. I just made a mistake. And I'm feeling it right now, but I'm not eating it. And, um, and I showed up, you know, for this, this workshop. Because my prior self would have eaten, called somebody and said, you know, when I get over making mistakes, then I'll come back to the workshop. Uh, but, so that, that's, that's what I'm sitting in, and I'm showing up, and I'm, and I'm abstinent. 
So some of the, um, the readings that I, this is from Speaking, Seeking the Spiritual Path. I copied these, I kind of copied these down from Seeking the Spiritual Path. Some of my favorite sayings from this book. Six little words that you pray about it. Did I pray about my anxiety or my self-hate? Or did I turn it over? Or am I just trying to tough it out? Because that's the way that's the way my father taught me. You know, you just I was raised with my father, with brothers, you just tough it out. Or did I pray about it? If the disease of compulsive overeating brings us together, our weaknesses, our recovery, our strength keeps us together. It always kind of amazed me when it said it's our weakness that binds us, not our strength. I thought, why would I want to come to a place where weakness binds us? I'm Swedish. I'm supposed to tough it out. <laughs> you know? And But we are weak. I, I'm powerless over the first bite. I'm powerless when I walk out of here over food. I'm powerless right now, except I don't think I'll sneak any food while you're here. I mean, I have my lunch with me. I don't think I'm going <laughs> to... I have my security blanket, and I'll probably eat it. I don't think I'm going to be eating it uh, while you're watching me anyway. I, <laughs> um, I never imagined how much spirituality had to do with my physical recovery. To, uh, this is hard because I'm currently having some resentments against a couple of people, uh, our neighbor. To forgive is hard. To live with the consequences of not forgiving is harder. So I'm, you know, I can live with the consequences or I can read the big book, the chapter from Freedom from Bondage. I can pray for this person for two weeks and I can hate that person every time I get on my knees to pray for him. But the big book says do it anyway. Do it anyway. Okay, so from... This book, from the Daily Reflections, um, this AA book that I think is so wonderful, I, I copied literature that you've probably heard over and over again, but I can't hear it without it almost bringing a tear to my eye. Uh, when we become, let's say, overeaters, crushed by self-imposed crisis, we could not postpone or evade. We had to fearlessly face the proposition that God is, is everything or else God is nothing. He is or isn't. What is my choice? Uh, the most important thing today is that I'm willing to grow along spiritual lines. And what, I mean, I can read all I want to. But I think to grow, I have to take action. I have, and some of the actions that I do, not perfectly, when I'm on my game, is I get, before I get out of the car, I pause and pray. I say the serenity prayer. I say the third step. I say over, you know, relieve me of the bondage of self. Over and over. Relieve me of the bondage of self. I'm in bondage of self right now because I'm up here. You know, I have a character defect of big shotism and egoism, egotism. I mean, I gave that character defect all week to God. But it's still sitting right here. My ego saying, well, how am I doing? Um, and, and I just have to accept 
those character defects. Uh, and my assets, too. My assets are that I, I showed up. I said yes. <laughs> okay, the second one I copied from Daily Reflections is, it is when we try to make our will conform with God's will that we begin to use it rightly. You know, what is God's will for me today? To show up on time. I'm a person who has time management problems. Usually I would fly in, hair on fire, chicken little, sky is falling in, 1015, best having a heart attack. <laughs> but I can't I was here 15 minutes early. So that's and and one of the things that I really advocate not only for myself but for my sponsees, they may be going on and on about what they did wrong, but I say to them, tell me what you did right. Tell me what you did right. I was here on time. That's what I did right. I packed my lunch this morning before I came. That's what I did right. So th- even though my negativity might argue that it wasn't, you know, because my negativity says, well, and the only rightness that I would recognize is that if you're president of the United States, I mean, there's no in-between. So it doesn't want to <laughs> recognize the little things, you know, the little recovery behaviors, packing my lunch, getting here on time, saying, saying yes to life. Okay, so this also says, step three opens the door to the rest of the program. When I ask God for guidance, I know that whatever happens is the best possible situation. Things are exactly as they are supposed to be. And, um, and sometimes that's hard to accept. When I make a mistake that embarrasses me and it's going to cost me money, like I did yesterday, I'm furious. And um, so I just... I just have to sit with it and breathe it. Breathe in God and breathe out mistake. Breathe in God and breathe out condemnation. Breathe in God and breathe out, hey, I showed up. Uh, Okay, the next one that I have is, as we go through the day, we pause. When agitated and doubtful, ask for the right thought or the right action. Today, I humbly ask my higher power for the grace to find the space between my impulse and my action, to let a flow of cooling breeze when I would respond with heat, to interrupt fierceness with gentle peace. I allow God to direct my vision. Now, that, that kind of chokes me up a little bit because I'm always like, I adrenalize. I'm always like blowing through life. So, so to, to read this over and over again. And the last reading that I have is the teaching is never over. And this, this always chokes me up too. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. It's not always happy, but I'm always happy to be on it with you guys. <laughs> And that one, you know, may God, may God bless you and keep you until then. And that, um, so I'll close with one of my favorite quips. So it's like trying to force your recovery, trying to force myself to be abstinent, which was what I did before, trying to force myself to lose weight. I didn't know about it before I came into the program. And that's the only way I knew how to do it is like trying to teach a pig to sing. It only frustrates you and irritates the pig. (laughs) Give it up.
So thank you so much. Thank you, Joanna. Okay, let me. Uh, Let's take all, all this wonderful accoutrements that you brought for us. Okay. And let's okay. keep the asket basket moving around. Is it still out there? Could you keep passing it? Because we'll just continue to pass it as we have our speakers. So if you have any questions at all, please write it in the asket basket. That way the speakers can, we will uh, read it out loud and each of the speakers will comment on your questions as we come to the end. So if you'll keep it moving, that will be great. And... Our last speaker, we have George. So let's welcome George. Thank you, everyone. Um, anybody here know Monty Python? Uh, now for something completely different. Okay. okay. Uh, my name is George. I'm a very grateful compulsive eater. I, I grew up in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, to parents and grandparents from Eastern Europe. And at that point in time, if you were born into those kinds of environs with uh, that kind of background, uh, at the age of three, I took up the accordion. At the age of playing polkas, Yashu stole the kishka and all of that stuff. I don't want her, you can have her, she's too fat for me. All of that stuff, okay? Uh, the good news was that by the time I got to be five, I learned that playing the accordion was not cool. Okay, so it took a little while to get that, but I got that. Um, also, while I was doing all of that, my whole family's social life and uh, communal life was built around the church, the Russian Orthodox Church. And if any of you have ever gone to a Russian Orthodox service, it is in, believe it or not, Russian. So I, I grew up going to church thinking, this is stupid. Uh, why would you ever want to pass some sort of message on to people and speak in a language that they can't understand? You know, it doesn't quite make sense to me. And so I started to look at religion as a business. Give me some money, I'll build large things, and say that if you do what I say, you're not going to burn in hell for the rest of eternity. Okay, and that was the message of church. Um, it was then, uh, as I got older, uh, I, what I didn't realize was that the other thing that my family and, and all of our friends' uh, lives revolved around was food. When we meet, we eat. Um, that was halupkis and pierogies and all these things that had no fat in them at all, you know, and no butter or anything like that. And I, I grew up to, uh, to learn that eating was the thing that you did when you socialized. That's all you ever did was eat, okay? And it was the more you could eat, the better it was. I didn't really have a problem with that because I was a fairly active kid at the, prob at, at the time. Uh, when, I, when I got to be... Uh, going through this thing called puberty, all of my hair fell out. I didn't know why. My parents got all upset about that and took me to various doctors. Uh, one doctor put some acid on my head so that it would, quote, stimulate the hair follicles, uh, and I would go home with second-degree burns on my head, blisters, etc. Um, 
and there was, and it was a fearful time for me. Here I am, junior high school, I'm going bald. I'd wake up in the morning with piles of hair on the, on the pillow, etc. Um, and of course, people in junior high school can be cruel, very cruel. And so I developed a real fear of rejection, a real, real fear of rejection and failure. The bottom line in all of that was, though, that uh, as, as things went on more and more and more, it changed my life. Um, I went to college. Okay. Uh, I went on to graduate school, etc. But I remember all the time the first day that I literally turned to food as my higher power. That first day was my, my mother wanted to take me to another doctor, and I refused. I said, no, I'm not going to go through this anymore. And I ran down uh, on my bicycle to a nearby gas station, and I drank four sodas in a row. And guess what? I felt better at a sugar high. Isn't that wonderful? The bottom line, though, was that uh, I had just become a compulsive overeater. And that continued throughout my high school days. It was okay, though, because I was active. I played football, etc. cetera, uh, until uh, a person named Choo Choo. He was Choo Choo because he was like getting hit by a freight train. He was 6'5 and 265 at ninth grade, a mountain of a person. Um, and uh, I got my leg caught under somebody and... Choo-choo hit me over the, on the back, split my femur up right in the middle, tore all my ligaments out so he could take my leg and go like that with it. Um, six months of the cast, that, that ruined my football career. Um, and as a result, that's when all the food started to take over. You know, no longer was there, you know, two or three hours of heavy physical activity a day to uh, get rid of the, the effects of having all of the food. Um, and that started my career in dieting from Atkins all the way through to Nutrisystem to everything in the world. And I would lose weight temporarily. Um, I always thought of my, my, my undergraduate and graduate stuff was in, in uh, mathematics and computer science. They taught me how to think logically. And everything that I thought of logically said there cannot be a God. Okay, how can there be a God in all in this kind of a stuff? With all the bad things happening in the world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All those kinds of arguments. It was not until I became uh, in my 40s that I um, was on another diet program and I was really exercising fairly well. I was running about five miles a day and doing aerobics classes and stuff. Went to the doctor for a physical, and the doctor said, oh, if you're getting that much exercise and you're running five miles a day, you can eat anything you want. Don't ever have a doctor say that to a compulsive <laughs> overeater. That's the worst thing you wanted to do. Eighty pounds later, <laughs> I realized I can't eat everything I want. It wasn't until my, my wife found Overeaters Anonymous. 
in my 60s that um, I noticed a change in her. And all this time I wanted to be a religious person. I was actually a fairly religious person, but I couldn't find myself to believe in anything. Um, I still, at at my church, the altar had a refrigerator on it. That's really what it had. Um, And I graduated from eating a pint of ice cream when she would go off shopping or something to having a quart of ice cream to having a half gallon of ice cream. Okay, and make sure that you finished all that before she got back and got rid of everything so nobody would know. And, of course, nobody ever knew except I'm gaining five pounds a month. (laughs) You know, something showed up somehow. Um, and at my at my peak, I was well over 350 or so. I'm now about 100 pounds down. Uh, I'm not concentrating on losing weight. I'm concentrating on recovery. The old saying, concentrate on recovery and you lose weight. Concentrate on losing weight, you lose recovery. That old saying. Um, but she changed. She changed drastically. And I couldn't understand why. Um, and she talked about this thing called OA, uh, and she was, she was good about it. She did not force me into anything. She just let me come to it myself. She invited me to go with her to the L.A. birthday party for OA, uh, and I went. And I spent two days in a, uh, in a book study class. And I said, you know, that's kind of me. But I was still stubborn enough to say, no, I can really do this myself. Uh, and I told her, look, I can still do this. I know I have enough willpower to do all of this. Uh, a year later, I was going to the second OA birthday party, about 30 pounds higher than before. So I couldn't do it myself. Um, and, and at that birthday party, there was a, uh, a person who was here this weekend named Harlan. And he's probably doing a a book study, a marathon book study here. And he said something to me that just hit me right up across the head. He said, this is not a program for people who want it. This is not a program for people who need it. This is a program for people who do it. And that got me off my butt. And I went to my first OA meeting And with trepidation, I said, I'm George, a compulsive overeater, with a lot of fear. I did not want to have another disease that was uncurable. I spent all my life with this disease, and I didn't want to have another one. So I denied it as long as I could. And one of the biggest problems I had with going to that, uh, to that OA part, was it was based on this God stuff. And how am I ever going to accept a God thing in this program? Everything in my body said this is not true. I wanted to walk down the road and have a burning bush talk to me. I wanted to have something like that happen, but it never did. And from listening to Harlan, I thought there's going to be this lightning bolt that comes out of the sky and hits me, and all of a sudden I got religion. It was was sort of like what Bill said in the big book. You know, I got religion. And it's come to find out that most people don't go through that. It's a long, gradual kind of a thing. And that's what, I, that's what I did as well. I started working with a sponsor and working through the big book. 
And we got to step two, and we're reading in the big book about all the arguments against having a higher power. And we got to a sentence in the big book that said, who am I to say that there is no higher power? And that hit me upside the head as well. If there's billions of people around the world through centuries and centuries that believed in this, who am I, this guy from Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, who played the accordion, to say, to say there is no God? You know, who am I to say that? And, of course, to, to, behave, to behave as lit, as if there is a God. And so I said, okay, I'll give it a try. And lo and behold, my life changed. My, my life changed in every possible direction you can imagine. All of a sudden, the program started to take hold. All of a sudden, I got calmer. All of a sudden, I had an easier time remaining abstinent. And my whole abstinence has changed drastically over the last couple of years as, as well. I'll talk about that a little bit later. How much time do I have? Seven minutes? Okay. Um, as a result of, of slowly but surely behaving as if, I came to believe. And my life got better. Um, and good things started to happen, not just in my professional life, but in my personal life. My relationship with my wife got better. At work, I got a promotion. I got a raise. Okay. I was losing weight at a faster rate. Things got calmer in my life. One of the things that this program teaches you is how to cope with all the things that get thrown at you in, in real life. None of us can escape that. None of us can escape all the things that happen in real life. But we don't have to escape to food to deal with them. We have those tools that we all talk about all the time to allow you to manage all of those things. And if you turn to those tools, you can get through anything, anything at all, okay? Today, I'm about 100 pounds lighter. I pray several times a day. I'm not a big person to have wilts and thous and all of that kind of stuff. I just speak English, and I just talk to my higher power, you know? I just, I just say what's in my heart, and I ask for guidance. Um, I do that morning, noon, and night. I say a small, silent prayer just before each meal. Okay. A couple of years ago, we found a church. It's, it's not named that, but it really is a 12-step church. And there are several people in the church that are going through 12-step programs. Um, became a, an ongoing church member. Uh, we have discussions in the church about the, a loving spirit, which is the way I envision God right now. Not as a, a guy sitting on a throne with a big white beard throwing lightning bolts at people, but as, as a spirit, something that we can't even imagine what that is. The universe is just so vast and there are so many unlikely things that could have happened that would never have allowed us to exist at all. If you looked at the expansion of the universe, um, if we had expanded just a tiny, tiny bit, 10 to the eighth, if you know what that means, you know, a very, very tiny bit faster or a very, very tiny bit slower, 
the universe would never have evolved to what something could support life. And here we are as a testament of that. There had to be some power behind all of that to make that happen. Okay? The more you, the more you talk, the more you think, the more you read, the more you investigate about the wonders of what we have in life and this universe, you realize there has to be a higher power behind it. So all that logic and stuff, I wasn't digging deep enough to find out whether there truly was a higher power or not. Today, I don't have to turn to food as a higher power. Uh, About four months ago, my wife was diagnosed with something called carcinoid syndrome. It is a form of cancer that throws off hormones that attack your organs. Usually people have weeks, maybe months to live when you get that. Um, Because we're both in this program, and we both know that all you have is today, and every day is abstinent, every day is a blessing. You know the old saying, the past is gone, the present is bust, the future is just a promise, but today is what we all have, and that's why they call it the present. You know that old saying. Um, We prayed. All of our church members prayed for us. Three weeks ago, we got a call from the doctor who had redone the test that she had that showed that she had this and found no cancer whatsoever in her her body. And she does not have that. Um, She still has something wrong with her, but we don't know what that is. But she's got more than a few weeks to live. And so we thank God for all of that. Um, You probably want to know what my food plan is. Everything has changed in my life as a result of this. Okay? I was always a meat and potatoes person. Always. And as much of what I could get in my mouth as possible. Okay? Um, I started out with something that could be called the... Uh, the diabetes diet, you know, uh, something like that. Three meals a day, uh, 40, 40, 30 on uh, starches and and protein and and vegetables um, and nothing in between. I still stick with three meals a day. Uh, Today I am now a vegan, believe it or not. Uh, I'm losing weight very, very slowly. And I, don't, and I do that because I don't want it to be a diet. I don't want to lose 100 pounds in 20 weeks and, and then gain it all back again because you starved yourself to that. I try to eat about 2,000 calories a day okay, of pure um, vegetable protein and whole foods. Okay? And that's what we stick to. And I find that I don't miss meat at all, believe it or not, of any kind. I'm amazed at that. I never thought that would ever happen. Let me leave, leave you with the thought that if you have trouble finding a higher power, if you have problems staying on the path to happy destiny, okay, and I vision that path to be, if you ever were in Pennsylvania, there's high-crowned roads, okay, and if you start to go off the road, it's, it's steeper and steeper, and then you go into the ditch, and then you're stuck. Okay, so I try to stay in the middle of the road, so that's the safest thing to do. And I find if I'm starting to veer a little bit, make a course correction. Change your meal plan. Change what you do every day. Do something different with your sponsor. 
to stay on that road and take it a day and day at a time at a time. Um, but if you do that, the words that we find that we say all the time in these meetings truly become true. That together we will trudge the road to happy destiny. Thank you for letting me speak. Thank you. Thank you, George. Thank you. Does anyone have the Ask It basket? Because now is the time we're going to ask some questions of our, of our speakers on this topic and hear what each of them have to say. Thank you. So we've got some questions here. I'm going to read them and uh, ask that each of you answer. I'm going to also... I'll read the question and then I'll pass around the microphone so that it can be in the recording. Let me pull some of these out. I think that there are some near the bottom here. Here we go. Give me one second. Oh, these are good. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to start this one because I really like this question. What do you do when you're angry at God? like to answer that question first. All right. And we have plenty of time. We go till 11:45 and it's only 5 after 11. So we've got lots of okay. time for questions. So if you have more, if we have these questions here, we're going to let people answer, but if there's a question that you didn't have, we'll, we'll how our time goes, there might be time for that too. Short sweet answer. Uh I perceive that when I'm angry at God, it means that I don't understand something, that there's something way beyond my level of knowledge and and experience and education and training, and there's just something I don't know about it. And usually with patience, what I find out is the thing that I didn't know and didn't understand and find out the wisdom behind why I was angry. Okay? And it goes away. Good question. Um, I am angry at God right now. As I heard that my aunt, uh, my uncle, is having some uh, serious uh, physical problems and we were supposed to get together in August in Cleveland. But anger at God, anger at anybody, is just another character defect for me and I'm powerless over it. So if I can catch it, I just say, I give this anger to you, God, over and over again and work a step through Make a decision to turn my will and my life and this anger over to you, God. Thank you. Um, when I'm angry at God, it's because I'm not getting my way. Um, you know, it's like, excuse me, um, this is unacceptable. For instance, I'll give a case in point. My daughter, my only daughter, she had just had, you know, I have three darling grandchildren. They're my new drug of choice right now. <laughs> and um, right after she had them, her husband got transferred, and they had to move far away to the East Coast. I was flaming mad at God. How could you pull such a dirty trick? You gave me these grandkids, and now you're taking them away you know, and I still don't know why, but it's okay now. I, you know, I just, I, um, acceptance for me is a process. 
I just say, God, help me accept your will. Help me accept that you know best. And so that's how I get through that. Thank you, Jenny. Thanks. And for some more water. For oh, me. thank you. Okay, Jenny, you're on the court. There we go. All right. Those good questions here. Here is another question. When food starts entering your mind, do you have any specific prayers, phrases, or I can't read that word, but we get the idea, that help you connect with higher power? And now I know Joanna gave us some, but do uh, you have any other ones? Would any of you, Jenny, would you Sure. Um, when food thoughts come into my mind, the first three words in step two dispel my fear because I get scared. I have a subtle respect. I have a respect for this disease. And I just say over and over, I came to believe. I came to believe God can take this. And I asked specifically, but saying those three words, the thoughts just seem to lose their power, you know. And I make sure I do, I am doing my step 10 every day because if there's something unresolved, then that can create that. But yeah, saying the first three words of step two really helped me. Thanks. What what I do is I'm powerless over that food thought. There, and I read in the big book that the binge starts long before I eat the food. So if I have that thought, I can either follow that path and romance that or ask God to get me back to my center. So it's almost my choice whether I follow the food thought or not. But I'm powerless over it. It comes in, in I'm a compulsive overeater. So that's what I do. Please, God, bring me back to my abstinence center. And thank you for bringing me back to my abstinence center. I think that uh, we're all really, really lucky to have found this program in that when the when the food thought hits, when the compulsion hits, and, and I consider myself very, very lucky that, and, and a testament to the fact that when you do work the steps to the best of your ability, that the compulsion over food is greatly diminished and it tends to go away. And I find now that the time that it does hit with me is few and far between. Even when we were going through all of the problems with my wife, we didn't once turn to food, which is a testament to the program. Um, but all the tools are there when that hits. And one of those is to say a prayer and to stop, pause, and just do something about it. I usually say a prayer, call someone, write something down, read something, and within 10, 15 minutes, the compulsion goes away. Thank you. Another series of questions here are about, uh, they, they all are interrelated. They are all asking different versions of your food plan or how you choose your food plan when your will is involved with choosing. 
And so I'm going to read a couple of them because they're all kind of related to another. How do you choose a food plan when my will is involved in choosing? Can you explain in detail uh, how you found, this was to Jenny, how you found your higher power at your plate? And one of the questions also is um, specifically to a food plan in connection with God. So if, if you can answer that, that would be helpful to everyone here. Pass it around. Okay. And speak up. So how I found my food plan, well, my sponsor and I worked it out one-on-one. However, it was not a mystery to me what my binge foods were. Okay? I never, ever, ever went on a broccoli run. Ever. I went on a sugar and fat and grease run, okay? So those are my alcoholic foods. Those are the foods that take me over and will take me down. So I abstained immediately 100% from those foods by them no longer being an option no matter what. No matter what. And when I came in um, almost 30 years ago and started abstaining, we were giving food plans. But you know what? Those food plans arrested the compulsion, the addiction. It arrested it the more I did it every day. So like I shared in my share, after probably a week or so of eating, um, weighed and measured, nothing in between, and not taking that first bite, no matter what, I didn't crave any of those foods. I walked by them and neutral, neutral. And today, they do not bother me. I don't even think about them. I don't even see them. My husband is not a compulsive overeater. You should see my pantry. It's a den of iniquity. (laughs) Every single binge food of mine in there. And the only reason I go in the pantry is to get my spices. That's the only thing in there that's mine. And his is all that other stuff. For some reason, I don't see it. We've been married 40 years. I don't see it. In my 30 years of abstinence, I I don't notice that food. And it's from putting the plug in the jug on those foods immediately. They are not an option, no matter how much I want them. Too bad, so sad. Thank you. Well, my food plan, I just call it a plan of eating. Like, what are you going to eat today? And that's the only day I have to worry about is today. I try to eat from the five food groups so that I have a balanced a balanced diet at the end of the day. Moderate. I don't ban anything. The minute I ban something, I'm going to bolt out this door and get it. But I just say to myself, I prefer that you don't eat it. So I probably haven't, I, I might have had a bite, a bite of sugar like a year ago or something like that. But, um, because that's really my binge food. I, I was at one point 100 pounds overweight, and I'd say 90 pounds was sugar. Uh, so I just uh, write down my food. I call in my food every day. I look at... Um, I look to see if it's balanced, and uh, if I'm confused or uh, defiant, I might write down three possibilities to eat, because when I'm defiant, I'm unclear. You know, I used to have the food plan, I'll let you know when I get there, 
but now it's in the morning. I call in my food, and I've been doing that for, oh, I don't know, 15 years uh, with to one person, uh, and it works very well for me. Thank you. No one is ever really successful in any program without having structure to the program. And the food plan, in my, in my thoughts, brings structure. You know what you can and cannot have. You know, you may not know whether it's going to be broccoli or um, Brussels sprouts, which I always call round things. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, broccoli or Brussels sprouts or whatever. But you know that you're going to eat X amount of this and X amount of that. And it takes away the indecision in your life. You know what's allowed, what's not allowed, and what you're going to allow yourself. Okay? So now you have structure. Now you have something where there's no black, there's no gray. It's, it's black and white. And as long as you stay within that, you know that you're going to have a happy day. Simple as that. Thank you. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I keep putting my hand right in your face. You put your hand wherever you want. <laughs> <laughs> Did that get caught on the tape? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I know what you mean. Here's a good question. How do you define recovery? Recovery, to me, is two things. The absence of obsessive behavior with regard to food, and two, gaining and maintaining a healthy body weight. Thank you. Simple. Anyone else? Joanna? I'd say um, enlarging my spiritual life, a healthy food plan, and just praying to God every day to help to help guide me with my food and gratitude. Thank you. Um, Freedom and peace of mind and a happy heart. (laughs) Those are wonderful, all wonderful definitions. Uh, Here's another question. For those who are still struggling in connecting with a higher power, uh, I'm not sure which one... Who spoke about acting as if? But do you have any tangible examples of how you can act as if when you know that you need to start connecting to God or you're going to eat? It, it, it is just simply behave as other people who have been successful in the program behave. So talk to a higher power, whatever that might be. Talk, meditate. In, in my estimation, in my experience, meditation is the practice of getting your mind open enough so that you can have a conversation with a higher power. Simple as that. I think I'll pass on this one, but uh, maybe I'll say one thing. In speaking here today, I was talking to somebody about it. And she said, you may qualify today, but don't disqualify yourself. Don't get up here and say how, um, how I'm unsure of myself and I don't know about the podium. And don't disqualify myself. Act like I'm sure of myself and I'm prepared. So that's some, you know, so that helps me. And George has one more yeah, thing. Yeah, I was, I was, I, something else came to mind and I'll... Just to interrupt for a second and, and do that if I can before I lose it because it'll be gone, um, and it's, lo- it's going fast. So if I don't say it quickly, uh, 
great tangential thinking, you know. Um, when, when someone is um, in that particular situation, uh, it, is, it is a really good thing if what you can do is just simply stop and pause and think about what all of the things that you have read about in the big book and other OA things. And that generally gives you some sort of an answer along the way just by pausing. Um, how I acted as if is that I did what my sponsor told me to do. She said to weigh and measure your food and call it in, and here's question one from the big book in the AA 12 and 12. And doing those actions, I came to believe. Each day I was being kept abstinent, I came to believe by doing what my sponsor told me to do without question. And she said, Jenny, just be dumb and you'll make it. I can do that. <laughs> Let's give everyone a round of applause for their answers. Thank you. Thank you so much. At this time, we've got a little time for some open sharing. Uh, if you can keep it to uh, two minutes. Does anyone have um, anything that they'd like to share? If you raise your hand, we can, can have uh, folks come forward. Anyone want to speak? Yes, please come forward and use the mic. And remember, it doesn't amplify sound, so please speak up. I'm Rita, and I'm a compulsive overeater. This may be a question. It's a question that I've, that I've had. I've had a lot of trouble figuring out. It seemed so frivolous to me to ask God to help me with my food. It seemed like that's something I ought to do. God has a lot more important things, doesn't he? You know, not to, you know preventing wars and I, I I don't know. You know all of these other things, and it was just a really difficult thing for me. My sponsor came up with a solution. She didn't actually come up with it. Somebody here may have told it to her because she heard it at the convention last year, and she told me use the seventh step prayer. So that when I say, my creator, I'm now willing for you to have all of me, in my head, good and bad, in my head I go fat and thin, <laughs> um, um, and then it goes on to say, I pray that you now remove from me every defect of character that stands in the way of my usefulness to you and to my fellows. And then in my parentheses, it's, including my obsession with food, my compulsive overeating, that kind of thing. And somehow that helped because it's like, okay, I'm not asking it for me. I'm not saying make me thin. I'm saying help me do the program so that I can help others, so that I can be of service. So that, that was helpful to me. Uh, I still struggle. But uh, that was helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Nobody else want to share? Do you want to have, is there, are any of our speakers who want to add anything? We have some time. Was there an? I'd like to ask them that question about, is it frivolous? Okay. Then here's a question, panel. 
Is it frivolous to ask God for help, considering all the big things God has to take care of in the world, like wars and famine and horrible things? And, and how you reconcile that when you pray for God's help to you? Um, no, it's not frivolous for me, because for me, it's a matter of life and death, what I put in my mouth. As a compulsive overeater, it can, it'll make me or break me. So God wants me abstinent even more than I want to be abstinent. And God will do anything to help me do that because that's the only way I can have a relationship with God is if I'm abstinent and God wants me to have a relationship with him. So, um, yeah, it's a matter of life and death. God will help. God, it's not frivolous in my opinion. Well, the only thing that I've found that's more powerful than my addiction is God. So if I don't go to God, I'm going to food. And that's, I have to choose. And, and, and if I think it's frivolous, then I'm limiting God. Thank you. I, th- I think what you, said, what you said is true. My personal experience is that if you approach God, God gets closer to you. And answers come more readily from somewhere out of the blue, but they come. Um, and I also liked your, your comments about service. And I think service is a very, very important uh, part of the program to get us out of ourselves and supply that. Uh, things have happened tremendously different for me in terms of service. That church that I, that I belong to, I'm now the chairman of the board. <laughs> Go figure that. And I actually had the minister come up to me and say, would you perhaps at some point in time like to become a minister? And me, lifelong agnostic, did not reject that. I actually thought, gee, when I retire at some point in time, that might be an interesting thing to do, to provide more service to people. So it really makes a difference. And uh, I'd actually like to take a moment and and speak on this last question. Uh, I'm Beth, a compulsive overeater. Hi. One of the things that was really important to me when I came into program is the phrase that we could pick a God of our understanding. My faith is not necessarily the same as other folks in here. My belief in God, my who I conceived of as God might be different than you. And the God that I grew up with was busy taking care of wars and famine and people who did not have, and I felt very, very, very guilty asking for anything for me. And so when I came into program, I had to reprogram that. And someone suggested I create my, my, my own ideal of a perfect God um, that had. And so when I defined my higher power, I defined a higher power who had the infinite ability and not just one who was had to take care of all these horrible things in the world or there would be no room for me. And um, because I, if I don't rely on a higher power, um, then I am back to being 60 pounds more than I am now. And when I was able to say, I know you're dealing with what's happening in the Middle East, and I know you're dealing with what's happening in Russia, and I know you're dealing with terrorism, and I know that there are people that are homeless, but here is, please help me be abstinent today. 
and and I gave myself permission to ask God to help me, even though there's these other things, because my God has infinite ability to help, and the fact that I asked for doesn't detract for from his ability to help you, and that helped me. So, uh, um, are, are, yes, Elise, well, you'd like to speak. Thank you. I just wanted to comment on that, too. Just after Elise, a compulsive orator. After hearing that beautiful eulogy yesterday that was given at the funeral in, in Charleston, North Carolina, I'm just reminded that we all have grace coming to us, whether we're deserving or not deserving, whether we're good or bad. And if I pray, if I do service, I open myself up to that grace. It's mine. It's all of ours. So, you know, I want to receive that grace, but sometimes I'm closed off to it. So that prayer opens me up. So I just wanted to say that. Thank you. Thank you, you Elise. Is it anyone else who would like to say anything? Uh, yes, if you've shared before you leave, please come forward and we have, thank you, George, we have a sign-in sheet so that you can sign it and you've signed a release because we are recording everything in all of our rooms. Uh, is there anything, since we do have a few minutes, uh, we can close, but is there anything any of the speakers um, want to add before we close? We're going to close early unless someone else, ah, I see the raffles being another reminder we have here with us in our room, Linda and uh, Michelle. And they're, stand up, ladies. They are selling, as you can see, they are wearing the lovely lays of raffle tickets. They are selling tickets for the 50-50 for Hawaii and our silent auction. They are fundraisers for OA. So as see them... Six tickets, $5. We're going to be closing in a minute. And because we're closing early, if you'd like to buy tickets from them after work done, please see them. Before we close, anyone have any parting words that you've, you've all given us so much wonderful information today and wonderful shares about your own experiences, hope and strength and recovery. So thank you. Let's give all of our speakers another round of applause. Thank you. And we're going to close, unless anyone else has any burning desire to speak, we're going to close with the OA promise, Roseanne's, from Roseanne's words. Why don't we all stand, and to the extent we can get our hands with our neighbors, come forward. Thank you. And let's make sure everyone's got someone's hand before we do this. Does everyone have someone's hand? Okay. I put my hand in yours, and together we can do what we could never do alone. No longer is there a sense of hopelessness. No longer must we each depend on our own unsteady willpower. We are all together now, reaching out our hands for power and strength greater than ours. And as we join hands, we find love and understanding beyond our wildest dreams. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. <laughs> Thank you, everyone.